Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 97 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. A couple of years ago, I started talking about burnout because a decade ago, I burnt out. It was actually the summer of 2006 that uh, things kind of unraveled and I've written about it and we've had podcasts about it. So you can look at the archive or my blog for more information on that. You know, it took a while, took a few years to really feel whole again, but I've started speaking about it to church leaders and groups. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, when I first started speaking about it, I thought, I wonder how all the younger leaders are going to hear this because I kind of thought, well, you know, you got to hit 40 to burn out or whatever. And um, man, oh man, I remember the first time I gave the talk, it was to about a thousand leaders in Atlanta a number of years ago. And oh my goodness, like the number of 20 year olds, 25 year olds, 28 year olds who came up and said, Hey, I know you said this is only for older leaders, but like, it's not, I've, I'm, I'm burning out. Like I, my heart feels flat, et cetera, et cetera. And they showed sort of all the signs of burnout. And that, that just shocked me really, really did. And uh, I've got a friend who lives near my house, actually. Uh, his name's Grant, Grant Vissers, today's guest. He's one of those bright lights, you know, if you're part of a denomination, he's part of the denomination I used to be a part of. Uh, and he was one of those people that people talked about as soon as they found out he was going into ministry. Uh, spent a year in ministry and burnt out. Like, uh, we kind of walked through parts of that together. He'll talk about it very openly and transparently. So uh, I'm really excited to have Grant on the podcast. And he and his wife, Connie, are just both great leaders. And the good news is, yeah, there's a happy ending to the story. He got healthy, he's back in ministry again, but, but for all of you, whatever your age is, whether you are just starting out in ministry, you know, and you've got some signs of burnout or whatever, hey, I think you're really gonna appreciate uh, this. So uh, we've also got some resources uh, in the show notes. You can just go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 97. So I'm talking a little bit more about this just because this one's really close to my heart. And I can't imagine anything better than seeing thousands of leaders who are able to stay in this for the long haul with energy and with joy. So I think you're going to find this story fascinating, but but also I hope you find it helpful. Hey, I want to let you know about a couple things coming up. Yes, this is episode 97. So you know what that means? Uh, if my math is any good, that means we're going to come up to episode 100 real soon. That's right, three episodes from now. So uh, we're going to do a giveaway, and we're pretty stoked about the giveaway. Uh, you remember when we hit a million downloads a few months ago, we did a giveaway, and we're going to do something like that. This time it's not on Instagram, it's on Facebook. Facebook. That's right, on Facebook. So here's here's what you need to do to get ready for that, is just go to my Facebook page. You'll see I have two. One's just personal for a few family and friends, but the other's my author page. That's the one you want to go to. This is where the contest is going to run. It's got something like 8,000 likes. That's how you can tell. I only have 200 friends. I keep that real small. <laughs> so anyway, the other one is like, like 8,000 or whatever. So look for that one and uh, you want to go to that page and you want to follow it, okay? And if you follow it, it will hopefully show up in your newsfeed. Now, if you know anything about Facebook, you're like, well, wait a minute, don't they change the algorithm all the time? So I'm going to give you a secret. Okay, what you should do is go to your newsfeed. First of all, like my author page, go to your newsfeed. And when it appears in your newsfeed, hover over the image, all right? Just the profile pic. And then you'll see a little dialog box pops up. And you'll see a little tab at the bottom of that dialog box says, follow, follow it. And then click on the little arrow and the little arrow says show first or see first in the newsfeed. Click on that. That way you will never miss it. So when the contest comes, you'll be ready. It's also a way of getting content and, and other things. So that's how you can do it. Hey, we'll give you a little bit of a tutorial in the show notes again, kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 97. Also want to say a big thanks to EA Help. Man, I'll tell you, they've got so many good resources for leaders, not just church leaders, but leaders. In fact, they started in the church space, but uh, now I think the majority of their clients are in the business space. So you know what they've got? They've got some cool free resources for you. So as a listener, you can go to eahelp.com slash free resources, and you'll find really helpful things like an administrative task calculator. You can download that for free, find out 
how much time you're actually wasting doing admin. Um, you know, maybe you love doing that. I don't in particular, and I would rather be writing stuff or working with leaders or, you know, helping our church accomplish its mission. That's what I would rather do. You can figure that out and, uh, and maybe get some of your time and get some of your life back. So lots of other resources there as well. Go to EA help slash free resources. And uh, now I'm really excited to bring you, and this was one of those, uh, you know, rare episodes. We have another one coming up soon where it was actually in person. Grant came to my house. We recorded it together. And here is that conversation. Well, it's a real thrill to have Grant Vissers on the podcast today. Grant, welcome. Thanks, Kerry. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a blast to be on the podcast. Uh, I've listened to most of the episodes. Uh, gotta be honest, not quite all of them. Definitely listened to most of them, been following along since the beginning. So, well, it's such a you. thrill to have you here. And, uh, hey, that's, that's perfectly okay. We're just going to continue anyway. We <laughs> met a couple of years ago, Grant. Yeah. Um, you and your wife, Connie, are in ministry together, which some of our listeners can identify with. Now, you're a Princeton grad married to a fellow graduate. You guys are doing ministry together. Tell us a little bit, and, and we're talking about burning out young, because you had a sort of surprise story to your first assignment <laughs> in ministry. And yeah. A surprise story that really, honestly, is not as unique as you would think it is, as I meet with a lot of young leaders, and having burnt out myself, I wasn't young. I was 40 when I burnt out, but like, you know, I wasn't 25 or 30. Um, but But burning out and just... <laughs> you know, having bad, not great experiences in ministry has been difficult. So give us a little bit of background and sort of your your situation in life. You're fairly newly married too, aren't you? Yeah. So uh, I was actually doing some research. I, I couldn't quite remember when you launched the podcast, but your mm. podcast is just a little bit younger than than my marriage. Oh, wow. So, so you got yeah. married. We launched it in uh, late summer, early fall of 2014. Yeah. So, so we you were got married, married July yeah, July. July. So you, so. hey, happy anniversary! Two years. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's wow. been uh, it's been a blast. So. Okay. And so, what was the sequence? You went to Princeton. Yep. Yeah. So I left for Princeton and uh, spent three years there uh, studying at Princeton Seminary. Uh, had a great time. Absolutely loved it. Uh, loved the environment and uh, the culture there that they're trying to cultivate. Um, so I, I met Connie, uh, early, fairly early on first year. Uh, and then we got engaged going into our final year of seminary. So spent that last year, uh, at school, engaged, planning a wedding, uh, doing that whole, uh, <laughs> that whole thing. still fast. Awesome. Yeah. They still let us graduate. I've been to Princeton once. I almost went there. I almost did uh, doctoral studies at Princeton right. and then felt, uh, a tug back into practical ministry and close that door. But uh, if I would have done it, that's probably where I would have done it. There were, <laughs> that would, it's a beautiful place, amazing it place. Is. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's um, Princeton. Yeah, <laughs> Let's yeah, be yeah. honest, it's Princeton. So yeah. uh, you're, you, you are part of a mainline tradition. Uh, yep. part Presbyterian is your background. It is. And, uh, and so catch us up. You come straight out of seminary, you get married, and what's next? Yeah, so we uh, we stepped out of seminary. We graduated, uh, then we got married, and then we moved to Canada. Uh, Connie's from uh, Portland, Oregon. She was born around Portland, and uh, so we got married, moved to Canada, uh, started in a in a church uh, fairly north of Toronto. Um, all within four months. So it was a pretty fast turnaround. <laughs> there's, from, there's burnout ground number one: get married, yeah. switch countries, start a new job, all oh. at once. Yeah, yeah. And so, actually, you're about a half hour from like my house where you started out. It was fairly close, which is one of the reasons we got to know each other. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, that was just such a blessing looking back on that, uh, meeting you and, and Tony and uh, for, for Connie and I. Um, it was uh, one of the best things uh, about that year for sure uh, was having someone to connect to. And, and I think we, we get into that a little bit later. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a big that was a big thing for us. So well, yeah, it was a big thing for Tony and I as well. I mean, we've really enjoyed your company and, and continue to. So you and Connie ended up, and a little bit. I think one of the reasons we connected so well is your story was not that dissimilar to my story. Mm-hmm. At age thirty, how how old are you? Are you? Th- I'm twenty seven right 27, now. Twenty seven, yeah. So I was a little bit older when I started. So you're twenty seven. So you're twenty five when you started in these churches. Yeah, I no, guess so. It would there. have been yeah. Yeah, 25 yeah. turning 26 uh, right yeah. away. So yeah. I was like just past my 30th birthday, and I started in these really small churches. And I know the churches you were a part of, and if anyone's listening from those churches, hey, good, good, good to chat with you. <laughs> glad and you're here. Glad you're here. But, um, you know, these were churches that, that had kind of 
we're really looking for signs of life, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Rural setting, not big cities. Um, you know, an hour north of Toronto, hour and a half north of Toronto, but like really rural. I mean, my yep. in-laws live right down the road from from where your churches were. So by all accounts, I think on every front, a tough first year in ministry. So walk us through it. Tell us a little bit of the the story and what happened, Grant. Yeah. So so I think, uh, first off, a, a big part of why it was tough, why it was challenging for us is we were navigating a whole lot of change all at once personally, right? So yeah. uh, like I said, we you know got married, graduated, moved to Canada, uh, started in these these two new churches. Um, so looking back, I was I was absolutely primed for something to go wrong. Uh, you know, my, my pumps were I was primed. I was ready to go. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, we expected ministry to be tough. I, I don't think we were... Um, you know, completely uh, misguided there. We expected it to be tough, but I, I think we expected it to be tough for good reasons, right? You're mm-hmm. making progress. Uh, lives are being changed. We're doing some good stuff together. And, and then, you know, then the hard times start. So one of the dy- dynamics at play, uh, we walked into uh, these two churches, these two congregations who had had a minister there for almost 20 years. So it was, it was pretty much almost 20 years of doing the same things the same way with the same people uh, week in and week out. And yeah. uh, so, so we came in expecting, you know, expecting that the church hired us to say, okay, you know, new day, new age uh, with, uh, you know, some new leadership. Uh, let's make some changes. So that was kind of our expectations, I guess, going in. Now, let, me, let me just stop uh, there because this, yeah. this is really, really important. And I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Were those articulated expectations? Like, did you actually have the conversation? Like, hey, time for a new day, bring some change about, or that's just kind of the picture you had in your head? I think yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so so let, let me clarify that. I guess what I mean is we had some of those conversations, yeah. uh, or at least it was perceived that we had some of those conversations. Um, I don't think full expectations were laid on the table. Uh, I know, I, I looking back on it, I certainly was not as clear with my expectations. Like, hey, this is what it's going to look like for me uh, to be involved in leadership here. These are some of the uh, some of the expectations I have as a leader. Um, and I don't think the congregation fully laid their expectations out on the table um, at the beginning either. So we kind of maybe there's a little bit of a mismatch. There was a yeah, little in terms of sure. expectations. No, I appreciate the honesty, and I appreciate you know this is one of the things I love about you and Connie Grant is you take responsibility. This isn't about blame. This isn't about you know oh the church did it to me, which <laughs> you, you hear sometimes. But yeah. it's funny. But the reason I ask is I've talked to a number of leaders who have said, man the expectation could not have been clearer. You know, I laid out everything I possibly could about how the future was going to be different. They said yes. And then we got into the change and they were like, whoa, wait a minute. This is what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Cause that is, that is a common thing that happens in leadership is, you know, I'm thinking one thing, you're thinking another, and then, and then they just don't line up. So, okay. So mm-hmm. that, that's how that started. So you came up, you made an assumption Yep. That there was going to be a lot of change, and that one came back to bite you a little yep. bit. Okay, pick up the story from there. We, we started to realize very quickly that we had um, kind of, uh, I don't like misplaced expectation. We, we had, we'd gotten off on maybe the wrong foot. We, we realized very quickly that we were on different pages in terms of what was going to be necessary to reach what we thought were common goals. Okay. How did you know? How, how did that emerge that you were on different pages? A lot of different things started to happen. Um, I think the first thing uh, that we noticed is, is right away communication started breaking down. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so that's like the first thing to go um, is just kind of honest, open conversation about what it's going to take uh, to make certain changes, what it would take to, to reach certain goals um, that we thought we had. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we started to realize that communication was deteriorating, um, that uh, that we weren't uh, we weren't as excited to go to to go to our session meetings, our, our meetings with our elders. So was it like there was a building tension or an expectation gap or, or what? <laughs> yeah. So again, probably both of those things would be mm. true. There'd be a lot of tension around the table, um, a lot of unspoken tension, uh, and also just uh, gaps uh, starting to emerge. So did you did you start change right away? Like what would be, what would have precipitated that tension? You obviously did some things that were different, right? One of the things that was just different by definition was the way Connie and I approached ministry, certainly the way I approach ministry compared to uh, the previous minister and uh, mm-hmm. how he had approached ministry. Um, great 
pastoral care uh, leader, great uh, person in the homes uh, every week with with the congregants, with with people coming to the congregation. And uh, I, you know, I, I walked in, and my again, so it's it's an expectation they expected me to fill those same shoes and to do visitation the same way and to be involved in, in people's lives in the same way. And what I what I quickly started to feel is this uh, tension between. Um, me trying to to reach those expectations, trying to make you know those expectations and and fill those shoes, and also lead change. And very quickly, those two things started to compete with each other. That you know, I, I realized that I couldn't meet all of the expectations of of the congregation while at the same time. Uh, trying to lead change and trying to cast vision and trying to say, hey, this is ultimately, if this is where we want to go, uh, these are some steps that we need to take in order to get there. Those those two things became impossible to hold together uh, mm. for me. So appreciate uh, your humility in all this and just your honesty in sharing this and, and the goal, you know, and I'm sure you. leaders are already being helped. They're already going, oh man, this is starting to describe what I'm going through or what I went through. And, and of course, where it led you and Connie is into, you know, really getting to the point where you felt completely uh, burned out. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me a little bit about um, more. What, what else? How else? What were the early signs that this, yeah. was, this was not going to be a great match? Yeah. Um, so, so things, uh, things as the tensions rose. Um, one of the things that uh, that that we started seeing is is that the environment became very hostile, um, in in different ways, in ways that we didn't expect. Um, so, you know, we'd we'd receive just notes, little notes about things. Um, things weren't done a certain way, or, or weren't done the way that you know they they were used to. They used to be done, and um, so we started to receive uh, just like just signed, subtle signed notes or s- signed some signed some unsigned. Oh, just Man. you know plunked down on my desk um like so just like, like you know that's not how we do it around here yeah or yeah really? that, i don't i don't know if you know but we've never done that before so you know let's not continue doing this or or uh you know <laughs> i can't remember i don't you know can't remember it's all blocked out right it's all blocked out at <laughs> yeah this point but um, wow. but but yeah. So and that's what I mean by by communication started to break down, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know when, when things started to when it when it appeared like they're you know, okay, hey, we're we're missing each other here. Um, uh, what what didn't happen is maybe those direct com- conversations. Say, hey, what's what's actually going on here? What's what's the issue behind the issue or the issue, you know issue underneath this issue? Because it's not about it's not about whether I preach from a pulpit or not. Um, it's not, it's not about uh, whether or not you know I prefer uh, contemporary you know contemporary band led music uh, right. over a choir led music. Like it's not about those things. It, it's about you know sort of deeper issues. And uh, and I felt like we didn't really get to those. Uh, to those deeper issues, uh, but what happened instead is is that um, it, those issues started to be acted out. Right? If you don't talk it out, you're going to act it out. Oh, and that's a good good thing. That's a good way to put it. If you don't talk it out, you're going to act it out. What did yeah. that look like, Grant? Um, yeah. So so that's I mean that's what it looked like. It it looked like uh, just some sort of um, s- subtle hints, <laughs> but you know those n- not so subtle notes at times. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had you know a couple moments. Um, where people would would actually yell at each other and uh, and get really riled up, get really worked up uh, about stuff that was not uncommon in board meetings and in session meetings. Um, and that's one of the things uh, that I talk about in uh, in one of the blog posts that I write um, on uh, signs of unhealthy, signs of, of toxic cultures, is where that type of bullying and, and aggressive conversation is tolerated. Now, do you and, think that was typical of the style of leadership before, or you think that the tension just elicited the the maybe not so great side of human behavior. Yeah, I think certain personalities were allowed uh, to to rise up and and to have a, a you know stronger, louder voice maybe than than should have been, and and that okay. would be one of those voices. So it, it was definitely a pattern that we walked into. It, it was certainly escalated by. Uh, some of the things that were going on, some of the change that that uh, they didn't they didn't appreciate. So. Well, that's really interesting because that's definitely one of the factors I ran into when I started with three small declining churches uh, 21 years ago. I'm still in the neighborhood, like they're 10 minutes from where I'm recording this right now. Yeah, and you know, a, a lot of those folks, uh, sadly, that was 21 years ago. They aren't with us anymore. You know, they mm-hmm. passed away. But uh, that was a dynamic we ran into too, where there were some strong personalities in a small church that were used to kind of getting their way and then a new leader comes in and man that's like a lot of stick handling i can empathize with that we we never got to the point of yelling but 
I mean, there were some tense meetings for sure. And you're definitely at the point where you're trying to build a new team while you've got to honor the existing team. And that's just, yeah. that's just complicated. So, yeah. all right. So tension started to rise. And by this point, what had you done? Was it just the fact that you were younger and a different style that was creating the tension and that maybe you weren't naturally going to the hospital or to people's homes for coffee as quickly as before? Yeah, yeah, that that certainly um, would be one of the main things um, that I felt. Certainly, one of the main tensions that I felt was this pull to uh, meet every single one of uh, people's needs at the time you know they felt they needed it. So, one of the things I learned, or, or one of the things I tried to learn, was to not make other people's emergencies my emergencies. And I, I think that's an important so thing good. in in leadership, right? So, uh, just because something is urgent uh, and an emergency for someone else doesn't necessarily mean that it should be urgent for uh, for the leadership. And, you know, there certainly there are cases where that is the case where, you know, you need to be at the hospital uh, or you need to respond. But, you know, de- definitely not every day, um, not multiple times in every day. And so that that would have been one of the main things is, is expectations around pastoral care. Um, hmm. And I think that's sadly, you know, I just think that's a tension that you see in in smaller, more rural churches um, where, where leadership has, you know, in the past historically been all about pastoral care, uh, yeah. all about visiting. Kind and, of what sometimes so. gets called maybe, Grant, like the chaplaincy model. Yeah, now, What absolutely. would you say your model was? Like, I mean, one of the reasons I really like hanging out with you and I like knowing you is I see you as a leader. I see you as somebody who, who, you know, sort of vision driven and mission driven and ambitious, not in a selfish way, but I think in a good way, you know, ambitious for the kingdom. Do you think that that was just a clash of paradigms that you were running into? Absolutely. I mean, and thanks for those words. Um, yeah, I, I, so I was really heavily shaped um, by my supervisor, my, my thesis supervisor at Princeton, Daryl Guder, uh, mm-hmm. who writes in, in missional theology, and understanding our backyards as the mission field now, right? So right. Uh, just the, the reality of living in Canada, uh, post-Christendom Canada, post-Christian Canada, where, where we have no assumed authority, no assumed right to speak, where, you know, as, as the church, we've got to now earn the right to be heard. And, and so I, I think that would be my my heart for, for ministry, certainly for, for congregational leadership is, is to move from this model where it's insular and inward focused to, to understanding our calling really as Christians, as, as being ones who are sent into our communities, um, into our families, into our schools, into our business, businesses and and professions, jobs, uh, and there being witnesses, being, you know, essentially missionaries for the kingdom. And, yeah, that, that's, that's, I think, radically different from a chaplain model of ministry. You know, you and I have swapped notes many times, but I remember when our churches were small starting out. And again, a rural context. I mean, I'm still, I still live in the country, but I feel like an urban guy. I yeah. don't know. I just keep looking for the coffee shops and all I see are trees <laughs> where I live. But yeah. anyway, long story short, I remember one pivotal conversation I had with a gentleman who was in his 70s. His name was Walter. And I, we were in the first couple of years of leadership and I said to Walter that day, as we were just sitting around at some social gathering at the church, I just said, you know, we really got to get people talking about Jesus and talking about their faith. And he looked at me and he just says, we just don't talk about that around here. Hmm. Like yep. literally. And he didn't yeah. mean, he didn't mean to be, you know, blasphemous or, or, you know, I'm sure he's a Christian and the whole deal, but like, it just wasn't part of the culture to talk about what you believe. The church was about social gatherings and it was, and I'm not saying that was your church, but that was certainly our church. So part of the task for me was we got to get these people talking about Jesus. We got to get these people talking about their faith, not about bake sales and rummage sales. There were, can we talk for a second? And maybe you're going to come to this about expectations on Connie, because I remember yeah. my wife, Tony, and Connie were having um, some conversations because we used to do a lot of bake sales like in the first few years. And I'm like, guys, we got to stop this. Like if you're raising 500 bucks by baking a thousand cookies, like you need a new strategy. How about tithing? And, yeah. and Tony felt, and I mean, this was people, you know, the old pastor's wives used to bring like 12 pies and we had two young kids and to bring one pie was like a miracle. And yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, my wife and I are both law school graduates. You don't specialize in pies in law school. So no. it was this, she showed up with this, this pie or two one day and felt all this judgment um, on her <laughs> because she showed up with one. 
And uh, and again, that's just a clash of cultures, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm laughing here because yeah. uh, I mean, uh, I just I so resonate with that um, on on both those fronts. Um, so f- yeah, first with with Connie, um, same thing, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we we heard uh, almost daily uh, early on. You know, well, the old pastor's wife used to do this or, or, you know, the, the old pastor's wife would, would be available for this. And, uh, and, and that was hard. Um, I mean, so that would be hard for me if Connie wasn't ordained and, and a minister and, and Princeton grad. And, right. Uh, yeah. 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 So, so, you know, she even if equal, she is, you know, in ministry, there's absolutely. no distinction, right? Absolutely. You could be known and, as her husband. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to call her, you know, the minister's wife, then call me me the minister's husband was was kind of my my approach. <laughs> Did, didn't go over big. It didn't go over big. No, I remember very early on. Um, you know, same thing is it's always around pies, and uh, you know, if, if anything, <laughs> I'm the baker in, in the family. Yeah, so okay. so it's just just hilarious. Um, but yeah, early on, like week one, uh, we showed up to to a lunch. I can't remember if it was a lunch uh, or a dinner or something. And, uh, and, and someone said to Connie, well, you know, the, the, the previous minister's wife would have brought a pie, uh, you know, wow. can, can you bake pies? And, uh, oh, man, and I, I just remember at that point, really, um, part of my story, uh, part of the last year has been, you know, navigating this as a, as a clergy couple, um, that navigate- create tension at home. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, if, if I'm honest, I, I think if I could do it all over again, I probably should have risen up right away and, and been a little bit more more firm from from the outset that, look, things are going to be different. And this is not, in fact, uh, expectations, you know, that can be placed on on Connie. Um, but, yeah, I just remember being heartbroken at that and, uh, you know, really discouraged. Um, you know, I, I can take a lot. Uh, you know, I can take a lot personally, and uh, I think what really did me in was was seeing how how devastated Connie became throughout the year, and, and that's uh, that was the hardest part for sure uh, for mm-hmm. me in that whole dynamic. So, I can totally understand and and relate to that and empathize. And you know, we had a similar thing where the previous pastor was very pastoral, and you know, his wife would bake a dozen pies. And I'm not trying to disparage people who bake a dozen pies. That honestly no. is, some people love doing it, and it's a great contribution. But like, everybody comes in different, and everyone has a different paradigm. And uh, ours ours was not shared. So anyway, we killed all the bake sales eventually. And started tithing, <laughs> and we had a little more money as a result. It's amazing what happens when people give. But, it is, yeah. You know, okay. So yeah. you had that tension, and um, what what else were you bumping into? Yeah. Um, you know, Not we, that that isn't enough, Grant. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think for me, um, one of the one of the next, uh, I guess, I, I don't know if it was like a symptom or whatever, but uh, one of the things that started that I started to feel, um, and I'm not I'm not an anxious person. Uh, I've never struggled with 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 anxiety or, or depression or, or even you know sort of melancholy in in my life that I can remember. Um, before going into ministry, really, um, which, which, you know, on, on the one hand is sad, you know, but, uh, but I, I, through the year, what, what started to happen and where I really started to notice, uh, that I was not well is, you know, I, I started to become anxious and, you know, started to, to, um, w- looking back now, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was full, you know, full in, in a full blown depression, but certainly in some sort of melancholy or funk where, you know, I just didn't want to do anything. I, I I didn't want to, wasn't motivated to go to work. wasn't motivated to, uh, to work out. And I've always, I've always been active and exercise, been involved in sports. And a lot of those things just started to not become important. And, uh, so it became really, you know, rather unhealthy, um, and started to deal with, with anxiety, um, panic attacks and, uh, and, and yeah, whatever depression symptoms I was struggling with. So, so that started to complicate and complicate, uh, things at work too, because, you know, at that point then you're, you're not as capable of navigating conversations, navigating that tension yep. in a beneficial way. Yeah. Your uh, emotional reserves reacting. are low, right? Yeah. So yeah, who noticed so. how long into, you were there for how long? For t- was it we, a year? We were there for exactly a year. Like, oh, so like 12 months. To the, to the day, yeah. How long until the physical symptoms started to show up? Um, so I started noticing them around Christmas, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually have this vivid memory of preaching 
um, Christmas Eve and, uh, and, and just get, you know, tremendously anxious preaching. I had never had that before. Hmm. Um, wasn't quite sure what was going on. Uh, wouldn't have been able to, you know, step down off, off the podium and say, Oh man, off the platform, you know, but that, that was anxiety. I, I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, but I knew something was off. So, uh, I, I would say, you know, in talking to Connie, she noticed it far sooner that I was just kind of dragging and starting to look tired and, and starting to, so she saw uh, it before you saw it. She saw it for sure. Absolutely. Before. No, before so that's I, how many months into your time there? So yeah, six months. Pretty much wow. Halfway. Wow. Yeah. So halfway through you started. So literally in a matter of months, you started to feel the physical symptoms and, mm-hmm. Um, what did you do about that? Like that was new territory for you. And I know I talked to a lot of people who are starting to show the signs of burnout. And a lot of the time you think, I just need to go to bed and get some sleep and it'll be fine in the morning, but it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, so, so I, unfortunately I probably didn't do enough soon enough. Uh, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I probably went through a phase of, of denying that I was even struggling with, with anything, um, denying the fact that this was taking a toll on me. So, so that would probably have been my first response. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly stubborn. And uh, yeah. so it would have been nothing just to say, oh, you know what, I'm actually okay. I can, I can push through and, uh, and there's no reason to think I can't. Um, so that probably would have been my first my first reaction to it anyways would have been just to push through, you know, when, when we started to, uh, when we started to feel the, the tension and really realize how challenging change was going to be, uh, at the church we were at, at these two, two congregations, um, my, my first reaction wasn't a good reaction. And, uh, it was just to say, you know what, Hey, all right, if, if you're not going to come with me, I'm going anyways, because I feel like this is the right thing to do. And I can't believe who said it, but, uh, that, you know, there's a saying, if, if you want to go fast, go alone. And, uh, and so I tried to go fast. I tried to push through and, uh, and I ended up doing it on my own, uh, you know, very, very quickly realized that that was completely unsustainable. Um, you know, my energy was just depleted. Uh, emotions were depleted and, uh, and it was, you know, it was apparent at work. I'm sure it was apparent at home too, in, in, uh, in how Connie and I interacted. Um, but that was, that was my first reaction was to just kind of say, all right, you know, this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to go alone. And, and, uh, uh, it, it didn't work. <laughs> hmm. I'll just say that it, it, uh, it didn't work. Well, and that's tough to separate hmm. out your life and your marriage and your work when you're both working together because you had shared hmm. responsibilities at the church. I kind of feel like Connie should be in on this conversation. This <laughs> yeah. Is, this is like, <laughs> we're speaking for her here. Yeah, but yeah. How did you navigate that at home? Yeah. So, um, you know, your first year of marriage, I think, uh, is probably the most important, one of the most important years. Certainly it's, it's, uh, it can also be probably one of the most fun years. Um, but un- unfortunately we, we struggled with, um, like a work home, um, uh, relationship or, or distinction. We really struggled to separate, uh, our, our work, you know, our, our married life at home from our married life, uh, at the church and at, at work. Um, could you do it? Could you, no. could you actually separate it? No, no, we couldn't. So, so what happened? Hard time separating. Yeah. 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 And I still, I think we still have a hard time separating it. Um, but we've learned a lot, you know, so we will actually go out of our way to say, you know, all right, like, are we, you know, we're done talking with work, you know, about work. We're done processing through what's going on at the church. Let's actually just have an evening to ourselves, um, you know, and, and commit to not talking about whatever it is that's going on at the church. We, we struggled to do that early on. We struggled to actually say, hey, this is a challenge for us, or maybe this is, this is actually not a, a beneficial thing for us to be talking about work all the time. Um, and so, uh, so that's, that's one thing that we've had to learn how to do, uh, because what, what was tension at work and what was, you know, what we were experiencing as hurt at work and, uh, you know, the anxiety that we were both feeling, uh, around work, um, you know, just bubbled to the surface with stupid small issues at home. Um, you know, we were right back up there escalated and, uh, and reacting, uh, to, to things that weren't actually, you know, necessarily happening at home. So, yeah. So the issue that wasn't the issue became the issue, right? So, yeah, so to speak, exactly. in other words, you know, I told yeah. you not to put the milk there, right? Yeah. Right? That, yeah. That, that just becomes, you know, nuclear or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And that's a sign that, that it was hard. Looking back, what was the, the hardest part of the first year for you, would you say? Hmm. Um, 
So I, I think, honestly, uh, had you asked me this, you know, even in the last few months, I probably would have said, you know, my own, my own burnout, my own struggles with, with anxiety and uh, with, with these panic attacks that just seem to come out of nowhere. Um, I would have said that. Um, but, you know, you know when, when you're on this side of it, I think the thing that was the hardest is actually um, is actually the, the you know, the, the toll it took on on our marriage. And uh, it took me a long time to realize that my my call to be a husband was actually more important than my call to become, you know, to be a pastor. Wow. And uh, that, that's certainly something that I'm trying to, you know, to, to live into now. Um, but it, I don't think it's something that I did a very good job with uh, early on is, is realizing that first and foremost, who I was called to be, um, you know, and obviously we go with, you know, all these things like a child of God and, and love, but, but it was to be a good husband. It was to be, you know, someone who is, is uh, there and, uh, and committed and supportive. So, so I, I prioritized uh, for sure the, the church and, and the things that were going at the, the tensions, the, the struggles that were happening at the church over, uh, you know, what became issues uh, in our marriage. So, so I think that's the hardest thing, you know, about the whole year, I would say. Um, I don't, I don't want to say like this, the thing I regret the most, but it's certainly the one thing that I would want to change the most is how, how I let it affect. Yeah. Certainly our, our marriage, our home life. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I so appreciate the, the honesty. When did the penny drop for you when you realized, okay, I've hit a glass ceiling here. Like the change <laughs> that I hope to bring about is just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a great question. I've been thinking about that question for, for a little while now. And, uh, I think the, one of the major things that we realized was going on at the church is that the past was king. Um, Hmm. the, the past was idolized, uh, the past sort of ruled everything. And, and, uh, and, you know, in no way do I want to be negative about like a traditional church. I don't think that's what I, I mean by, by past, like the past days of the church, but, um, everything was filtered through, uh, the lens of, well, you know, that's not the way we did it. Uh, you know, that's, that's not the way we've done things here. Or, you know, we tried that once and it, and it didn't work. So it would never work again. Um, and so that was one of those key moments where we, you know, when, when that, when we kept coming back, circling back to that conversation and that point, well, you know, what, with whatever it was, and we, you know, it's funny, you mentioned fundraising. We actually ran into that same issue. You know, let's, let's not fundraise. Let's talk about tithing. Let's preach about tithing. Let's live into, you know, who we're called to be as, as a church together. Um, you know, and, and it was that same response. Well, you know, that's not the way we've done it. And besides we tried that once and it, and it didn't work. So it'll (laughs) never work for us. Yeah. Yeah, so, kept that, that's that's challenging. So it was really it was kind of like, you know, to use that movie metaphor, it was Groundhog Day. You just kept running into that <laughs> over and over and over again. And, and you realize because I remember we had a couple of conversations. You and Connie came over for dinner one night and, mm. and we would hang out and where you thought, no, I think this this is going to work. We're going to keep plowing through. And then there was a point at which you said, nah, it's too much. We got to go. We got to get out. Yeah. And that was, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, it took me, a, it took me a long time to get to that point. Uh, it took me a long time, uh, to realize, uh, that it was going to be beneficial for Connie and I to move on, um, both for our own personal health, for the health of our marriage. Um, but, but I'll just say this, it, it actually, it took me a long time to get over any feelings of guilt that I had, you know, that mm-hmm. I had failed or that I couldn't achieve what I thought I was being called there to achieve, um, but to actually realize that, you know, God had called Connie and I there for a moment, uh, for, for a time and, uh, whatever he meant for us to accomplish that's in his hands. And, uh, and he was now calling us to move on. It really, it took that, uh, type of communication to me for me to really realize, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's time to go. It's, it's time to look for, for what's next. You know, I hadn't thought about it until uh, we, we've been talking about it right now, but you mentioned for the benefit of you and Connie, and I, th- I think mm-hmm. that's very accurate. You had to move on, but it might actually be for the benefit of the church. Like as much as, you know, I agree that the changes that you and Connie would have in your heart for that church would be great. Like I really honestly think that's probably the key to the future. There are some churches that just literally don't want it, don't yeah. want it. And, you know, the other thing that really sort of hit me as you were talking is these are not large churches. What would the average attendance be at, uh, at each of them on a Sunday typically? 
Yeah. So at the one, we would have had anywhere from 12 to 40. And uh, at the second one, we would have had anywhere from 35 to, you know, on, on, uh, on higher days, we maybe hit a hundred, 120 around Christmas time and Easter, but certainly wouldn't have seen many more than a hundred total, uh, from week to week between the two. Yeah. 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 And, and the challenge for that is, you know, even though these are not like large ministries by many standards, they can still be all consuming. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for a lot of leaders who are maybe hitting that wall or that burnout and they're leading like a youth group of 15, or you know, they're leading a small kids department or they're leading a church of 50 people or 100 people. Um, in many ways, when I look back, when our church was under 200, I actually worked more hours than one, you know, than, than I do now. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. just figuring it all out. It's all consuming and, you know, you barely sleep kind of thing. So, yeah. um, so uh, now how, who were you processing this with? Because I would say in the time that it's been almost a year since you stepped away, you got healthy pretty quickly. It seemed to be, you know, remove the couple from the situation and they got healthy fast. Um, Who did you process this with? I mean, we talked about it a few times, but was this a solo journey? Did you go see a doctor, a counselor? Uh, Did you have mentors around you that you were processing this with? and, And what was helpful in that? Yeah. All, so all of the above, um, all of the above. Uh, so I, I don't know if I've actually told you this before, but you were probably the first person I told or let, let see, um, that something was actually wrong. Um, uh, wow. so just, just very appreciative of that conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting, uh, Connie and I sitting with you and Tony in, in, you know, on the couches in your front room there and just, uh, I mean, at that point, crying and just yeah. being done, like I'm, I'm done. That was actually the first time I had, I had said that. Uh, I think even maybe out loud to anyone other than Connie. Wow. Um, so there well, were people. I remember along. praying with you that night. Mm-hmm. It was a very pivotal night for us, and I'm thankful God used it. You know, so yeah. we got together at my place. Wow. Yeah. I, I am too. And uh, looking back, that was just uh, that was for me a, a catalytic moment. It was. Mm. Uh, it was a good moment um, to to then you know be able to move forward from. So yeah, along the way um, you know have brought people in alongside, talked to other pastors. Uh, it's it's funny how the more pastors you talk to, the more you realize that this is something that everyone struggles with at some point or another. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was really big for me too. Uh, just realizing that I'm you know I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not. Uh, you know, not the only one struggling with this uh, in in leadership, uh, certainly in ministry. Um, so yeah, the, one of the big things too is you know, Connie and I both we we talked to our doctor, we talked to our family doctor about it, and uh, and and got some counseling. Uh, you know, it, it certainly was a big part of our journey. It's just being able to process it with someone outside of uh, that context, even outside of uh, outside of the church. Um, who who would understand our, our, you know the story, but but completely completely outside perspective on things. So that was huge, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the other yeah. really big thing that we did is we got away. Um, right. So what when, did you do for that? Yeah, so we we left where we were at the end of August, and uh, we spent September and October up at uh, my family's cottage. Hmm. So we were in Muskoka on the lake. Um, at the cottage, it was just some time to pray and uh, some time to be alone, some time to, to be alone with God, uh, to be together with God, uh, to process through things, talk through things, um, and really to get the rest that we needed. That's the one thing, uh, looking back, that I, I don't think I realized how physically exhausted I was. <sighs> until I got the distance from it to actually feel, you know, everything calmed down enough that I could, I could then sleep. Wow. Uh, and, and that's what it took for me. That's what it took. And, uh, you know, I, I hope and pray that for a lot of people, it doesn't take, you know, having to leave, but, but certainly getting some distance, some physical distance, whether for a time or, or permanently, um, is, is a huge, I think a huge benefit because your body, your, your body just deescalates in ways that I, I didn't even know were possible. It does. Uh, my wife, Tony and I, we talk about layers of fatigue and I'll say two weeks into a vacation cam or two days into a vacation cam rested now. 
And then this whole other wave comes out and then you realize, oh, I'm not done yet. And then there's like a third wave. And then you're like, okay, I think all the fatigue is out of my system now, but I'm not yeah. sure. But when you go through, uh, you know, a year like that, I can only imagine. And Muskoka is a pretty great place to unplug for. Yeah. Uh, if you know Canada at all or Ontario, that's where the NHL players and the baseball players <laughs> and, and anybody with, you know, in the entertainment industry or actors uh, have their places. It's just absolutely gorgeous about an hour north of where you were living in where I live. It's beautiful. So you got there. And you know, the other part of your story, Grant, which I think for you and Connie has been so encouraging is it would be easy to conclude that you're done. Like basically, Mm -hmm. well, clearly I misconstrued this call to ministry or clearly I do not have the gifting for it. Um, But that wasn't your conclusion at all. In fact, you're in a new church and it's going pretty well. Yeah, uh, we're having a blast uh, where we are. Uh, so we're at St. Paul's in Leesdale, uh, again, just north of Toronto, a small yeah. little community, but um, just, a, just a healthy, vibrant church uh, that we've been able to step into and uh, come alongside. So we started in November, uh, and uh, uh, it's like I said, it's been a blast ever since trying to re-immerse ourselves in ministry. But no, I, I was definitely, when I walked away, and uh, and I say this in one of my blog posts, um, that when I walked away at the end of August, I was not sure that I would end up back in ministry. That's that's just the, the place that I was in. Um, and it took me, it took me a while. Um, I think what it was, uh, in some sense, was to trust God again, that he was in fact calling me into ministry. And that seems, you know, may seem weird to say as a pastor, but, but it did. It, it took time for me to trust again that God had in fact called me into ministry and, and collectively, you know, Connie and I together into ministry and was still calling us into ministry and that he would still be faithful in all of this. Uh, despite, you know, despite whatever feelings we had, despite, you know, the year that we had had. I think that's such an important insight. And I think what happens to a lot of leaders, and I've probably done this in a season or two myself, is, you know, where you've been hurt or hasn't gone particularly well, you tend to take matters into your own hand, you Mm -hmm. know, or hands. Well, I trusted God. Clearly he was wrong. I'll do it my way. Yeah. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about, you know, leaders hearing your story is I think there's a lot of leaders now who maybe it's a fit issue. Like I look at that, you know, that's a year where you learned an awful lot very fast, but Mm -hmm. it's a fit issue. They hit a glass ceiling and, you know, they're not healthy or or the church is just not healthy in that setting either. Um, But it doesn't mean you're done. Just because your particular ministry is over doesn't mean you're over. Just because it's done doesn't mean you're done. And Mm. I always wonder what would happen if, you know, leaders just hung in there for that one more try or that third attempt or, or whatever it would be. I'm, I continue to be convinced people quit moments before their pivotal breakthrough. And what's interesting mm-hmm. about the church you're at now, and you and I have talked about it, uh, again, this is, this is from my neighborhood, folks. So, you know, there's listeners all over the U.S., Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, around the world. Um, but this is right from my neighborhood. I preached at the church you're at when I was in seminary. Um, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I preached there and there were like 30 people and it was an old church and it was dying. And if you're Anne of Green Gables, Lucy Maud Montgomery was actually the pastor's wife, truly, in the 1930s. (laughs) And people still remember that from the 1930s back in the 1990s. And and it was a church that honestly should have died. And what happened was there's a young leader, a good friend of mine, who's still the senior pastor there today, Andrew Allison, who stepped in. I went up to Oro where I started. He went over to Leesdale and we saw transformation in those churches. You know, God has used him powerfully. And now there's what? How many people attend Leesdale now? Uh, what, six, seven, yeah. eight hundred on the weekend? Yeah, so, so we probably average seven, eight hundred on, on a Sunday. Yeah, It's amazing. Yeah. And so that is a church that wasn't dis, that dissimilar to the churches you went to that actually saw transformation under a leader. So yeah. again, if you're a small church leader listening, you just have to be open to change. That's what happened to us in Oro. That's what happened to Andrew at Leesdale. And, you know, God moved. And I'm not trying to you know, say that the other churches weren't open for change, but clearly renewal is possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, one, one of the things that I've just been convinced of, even through this whole thing is, you know, uh, I think it's first Thessalonians that, that talks about God being faithful, that, that God mm-hmm. is faithful and he will do it. And, uh, and me just having to come alongside and say, okay, you know, it's, it's not God saying, you know, God's faithful so you can do it. 
mm-hmm. is God saying God's faithful and, and he will do it. And, uh, and, and that's, that's sort of been my, my key, uh, the key thing that I've tried to remind myself of certainly over the last couple of years, um, as we've you know gotten back into ministry is, is this is something that God is calling us to, um, but it's something that God is doing and, uh, and we just, we get to be a part of it. We get to be on board and, and see, uh, see change happen, see lives being changed. Um, and, uh, and that's a joy. It's a blast to do. Yeah. You got uh, how many baptisms happening but, this weekend and like, yeah. testimonies? You got yeah, so a bunch, about, don't you? Yeah. About 14 people, uh, are, are officially jumping up in front of the, the congregation and, uh, saying Jesus Christ is my Lord and savior. So, uh, it'll be, a, it'll be a fun day. Um, uh, certainly a big celebration for us, uh, as a, as a church, as a family. Which is why you got into it in the first place, isn't it? Absolutely. For yeah. days like that. That's yeah. so great. Um, yeah. let me ask you, when did you and Connie really feel like, Hey, we're back like um, normal, whatever normal is. I mean, not that you've really had a normal in your marriage and relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But when it's, did you feel like, okay, I think I'm healthy or, or healthy? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I call it a new normal because mm. it's, it's, I think in, uh, in a lot of ways it's, it's hopefully healthier. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, you know, honestly, it's, it's something that, that is still coming. Um, sure. I, I still feel it coming, but it, it really clicked for me uh, again around Christmas time this year. Hmm. Um, so, and and that just—I I don't know whether it was because it was a, exactly a year out from when I really felt, oh, you know, things are falling apart. But it, it really was, you know, September and October, those first two months that we had to to get out and to be alone were were tremendously healing and helpful. Uh, certainly talking to people, uh, talking to uh, a doctor, receiving some good counseling, yeah. uh, tremendously helpful. And so, you know, if anyone's in that same place, you know, those are all, uh, I think, really important steps. Um, yeah, what really, I, I guess, really where I felt things fall back into place was when I, you know, we were back in ministry and excited again. I realized, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm, I'm waking up excited to go to work. I, I go to bed at night excited for what tomorrow holds. And uh, that is just that, I mean, it's completely opposite. It's, complete, it's a complete 180 from where we were a year ago, a little over a year ago. Well, were you scared to go back in? Like, was there a part of you that said, I don't know? T- terrified. Yeah. 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 Okay. There's, there there's definitely, definitely a part of you that goes, man, this is probably just going to happen again. And, uh, you, you start getting anxious about becoming anxious. You start getting <laughs> worried about things happening. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they could, they could be the farthest things from happening, but yeah, you definitely have that worry. I think when you step back in again, um, you know, just like, just like you, I think I had to, and I think many people maybe have to learn to trust God again. You certainly have to learn to trust people again. Yes. And, uh, that's, that's a whole process. And, uh, I'm sure we could talk for a long, long time about even just that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think really we we felt back. I certainly felt like I was back in it and excited to be in it. Yeah, I mean it was it was Christmas. Uh, I was just we had a blast um, around Christmas Eve in our services that we had. There's just high energy, and uh, and I think that for me to be able to go through that, feel excited, um, and uh, and preach through Christmas Eve again just a year later, and uh, and not feel that same anxiety, not feel that same sort of panic rising up in me was was God's way of reminding me, okay, you know, he, he's really in control. Um, and, and, uh, I'm not, and that's okay. I'm okay. Not being in control. Like, like I thought I needed to be. Well, and you're also in a culture that is fundamentally healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. Andrew's been there 21 years. I, we both started at the same time. And so we sort of had parallel existences. And, you know, one of the things he's done is, is transform that culture and he's just mm-hmm. a, a great senior leader. So, I think healthy people eventually do really well in a healthy context and, and, and vice versa. You know, yeah. the other thing too, Grant, that I'll just say, cause you would never say it, but I mean, I heard about you stepping into ministry or feeling a call to ministry when you were probably still in your late teens. I mean, <laughs> there was a buzz like, oh, do you know, Grant might actually go into ministry. Like there, there, people were really excited. And even after your really challenging first year, you had options. There were a couple of fantastic churches that were really interested in you. Um, mm-hmm. but the enemy almost took you out. I mean, it almost happened where, yeah. or whatever almost took you out. And I'm just yeah. so glad to see you and Connie back in and we've been down to your place and had dinner there. 
at your place since you've made the move. And it's just, it's really exciting to see that you didn't let discouragement become defeat. And mm-hmm. I just want to say thanks for persevering. And uh, what word would you have to say to leaders who are listening, who are where you were, um, you know, six to 12 months into your first journey? What would you say to them? Oh, so much, so much. Um, uh, let me just say this. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is realizing that you're not alone. Um, mm. Ministry can be uh, tremendously isolating. Uh, you can be tremendously lonely in ministry. Uh, and, and I think the biggest thing is to realize that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. And, uh, and when you do start to reach out, I, I think we realize that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, who have, you know, either gone through what you're going through or, or who have, you know, similar stories and, and situations. So, um, that, I, I hope that's encouraging to people, uh, is, mm-hmm. is to, you know, to realize that, uh, that you're not in fact alone, uh, regardless of, of how alone you might feel. Um, and then the second thing I think would just be to, to talk to someone, um, no matter how, painful or, or challenging that first step might be, uh, once you've realized that something is in fact not right, uh, you, you can't, you can't shoulder that alone. Hmm. Uh, you need someone to walk alongside you. Uh, you need someone to, to support you and, uh, and to have that outside voice speaking into your life. That's not, you know, uh, either like an inner voice or, or a voice from inside the culture and context that you're, you're, uh, you're living in. Um, but to have this outside voice, uh, kind of walking that journey with you. So for sure, you're not alone. Uh, and definitely, um, you know, go out and find someone who, who you can confide in, find someone who you trust, uh, who, who you can talk to. That's such a good word. What about, what about to churches? Because I know there's probably a handful or maybe a lot more leaders who are not in your position, but they're actually, you know, on the elder board or they're key mm-hmm. volunteers and they kind of realize, I think we're making it tough for, um, our staff or our leaders, any advice for them? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is to have the conversations, hmm. um, to actually be bold enough to say, you know, something doesn't quite feel right. And, and then to be honest enough, you know, and, and humble enough to, to realize that it, it, it's probably something on, on both sides. It's, it's sure. not, uh, it's not a blame game. It's not, you know, you don't want to launch things back and forth at each other, but, but to sit down, and, uh, and to be able to have an honest conversation about where you are, uh, I think is probably one of the number one things for uh, becoming healthy and getting to where you want to be. You know, you've got to realize where you are if you want to get to where you want to go. And uh, so I, I think that that would be that would be my hope. Uh, certainly my prayer for, for people in, in involved in, in church leadership, whether it's on a session or on a board or, or uh, you know, elders, deacons, uh, people who are heavily invested, heavily involved is, is to have those conversations and uh, to sit down together um, and, uh, and just to t- talk things through. Um, I, I would say, you know, another thing is, is ask your pastors how they're doing. Hmm. Uh, and, and genuinely like ask for a genuine response, um, because that's probably also something that's not shared often enough yeah. or not done often enough is, is for people inside the, the church, inside the culture and, and the context to, to ask their pastors how, how they're doing, how their heart's doing, where they're at spiritually, emotionally, personally, you know, all, all of those things. Those are just great pieces of advice. And, you know, one of the things I've been very fortunate here to be able to cultivate with our key leaders is that kind of open, honest and transparent dialogue. So you're just not hiding, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you go through ups and downs. If you're going to stick around anywhere, you're going to go through ups and downs and to have a couple of friends, you know, that you can talk to on your board and not be afraid that they're going to fire you or, you know, that just they've got your back. They're going to pray for you. They're going to help you. They're going to make sure you get some help is just so valuable. And, uh, all right, well, this is great. Grant, I know people are going to want to find out more and you've done some writing on this. We'll link to it all in the show notes, but where can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. So I'm starting to write, starting a blog at grantvissers.com. So it is, uh, it's a new project, a new territory for me. Great. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to, uh, you know, if, if anything that, that I've been through can help other leaders, uh, other ministers, other pastors uh, in where they're at, uh, that'd be my goal for the blog is just cool. to kind of share some of those things. And it's Grant Vissers, V-I-S-S-E-R-S dot com? Yep, that's correct. Awesome. 
Yeah. Grant, well, so grateful uh, for you and Connie and so thankful that you took some time to build into a lot of leaders today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the podcast. It's, uh, it's a blast. Uh, it's a privilege to share our story, to share my story. And uh, yeah, thank you. Well, that was a powerful conversation with a good ending. And man, I just want you to know as a leader, I'm just super personally committed to helping as many leaders as possible have an ending like that to their story. Um, you know the stats, vast majority of, or the majority of people who start out in ministry don't finish in ministry. And I would like to see that change in our lifetime. So we have some free resources for you. Uh, you can just go to the blog and uh, you'll find it there, kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 97. I've written some articles on it. We can go from there. So uh, listen, hey, I'm also praying for you this week. Please know that. Don't forget the Facebook contest. Uh, make sure you like my author page uh, and you can just do that on Facebook and then uh, put me in your newsfeed, follow me. And uh, if you want to make sure you win <laughs> or have a shot at it, uh, put C first in your newsfeed. And again, instructions are in the show notes or you can listen back at the beginning of the podcast to that. And uh, hey, Next week, I'm back with my good friend, Frank Beeler from Elevation Church. He is on the lead team at Elevation Church. And uh, Frank's actually one of the highest capacity people I know. That guy gets more done in a day than I think I will get done in a lifetime. And uh, I sit down with him in person and we kind of deconstruct how did he become a high capacity leader. It's a fun episode. If you subscribe, you won't miss it. Thanks to everybody who leaves ratings and reviews. Thank you to everybody who shares this. If you hit the little share button, send it to a friend. If you share it on social media, hey, you're awesome. Thanks for helping get the word out and we will see you next week. Hope this time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.